The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this rainy, nasty Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Uh, I have not left the office today because it's just nasty outside, and it's been on and off all day, but just one of those days you want to go home, sit on the couch, and watch TV. But... We'll do that a little bit later. We've got two hours of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Lindsey Crosby in the house for the first 30 minutes of hour number one. We have Lindsey Crosby of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. He writes for Auburn Daily as well. Gentlemen, it's a great day. We're going to talk a lot of baseball here in this first 30 minutes. How are we doing? Doing great. This is... um. Like you said, terrible weather. Thankfully, there's no baseball to be played tonight. Braves are off, and then we'll get after it against St. Louis tomorrow. That's right. And uh, look, the Braves right now are playing really good baseball I think I think they're playing some of the best ball that they've had in a while they're in they're coming out of what was their toughest stretch of the season I think having to play the Mets and the Astros and and all of that but Lindsay just your take right now on what the Braves are doing where they stand everything like that with the Atlanta Braves just your overall consensus of the Braves right now so last time I was on we it was right after the Mets series in New York where you lose four out of five and Braves' chances of winning the division dropped down to you know six percent or so, and they have been on absolute fire since then. And it it, it corresponds with the acquisition of Robbie Grossman and then the call up of Vaughn Grissom to play second base. And now that they've kind of stabilized and they know who's going to play where, and they're getting contributions all the way through the lineup again, one through nine. Uh, they have not only made up a lot of that ground against the Mets; they are now within realm of possibility of still winning the division they have a one and four shot of winning the division despite uh, the Mets having not yet messed it up and collapsed so only a game and a half back uh, and going into a, a an interesting series this weekend against the Cardinals who are obviously always a threatening team uh, and are missing Nolan Arenado for the weekend Look, I've been saying it for a while. I'm waiting on the Mets to do what they do best and blow it and let the Braves come up and win this thing. But you still got to be playing good. We're going to dive into the Braves, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, what we expect to see over the next couple of weeks for the Atlanta Braves. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you uh, talking some baseball with Lindsey Crosby. And uh, look, Carter... What have you, it's something you and I talk about every day. We talk about the Braves here on the show. Mm -hmm. And to this point, Lindsay's stat of the Braves have a 25% chance to win their division. They're a game and a half back right now of New York. Yeah, I think that, Lindsay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question to you. With the Mets and the history of the Mets recently and their inability to ever stay healthy, especially in the rotation, and you have to fairly, I guess, injury-prone guys in DeGrom and Scherzer leading that that group off. Uh, 
what are the chances that the Braves, in your mind, not not the analytics, the the percent percent chances? What do you think? Do the Braves have a legitimate chance to uh, overtake the Mets, and can the Mets stay healthy and not choke it away like they have in the past? Something feels different about this team with Buck Showalter, and mm-hmm. I, I, they have more resilience, and they haven't necessarily gone away like you would expect them to have already done. Now, if the Mets stay healthy, I think that these two teams are fairly evenly matched, and it could go either way. If the Mets lose one of DeGrom or Scherzer or multiples of other guys in the rotation, I could see the Braves overtaking the Mets. I think it all comes down to... End of the day, these teams are very evenly matched, both pitching-wise and offense-wise. The questions for the Mets, the Mets are more reliant on the Stars, though. The Mets are reliant on Scherzer DeGrom. They're very reliant on Pete Alonso. You can go and see his offensive performance uh, kind of mirrors the team's win-loss percentage. So as he goes, the Mets go. The Braves have a better margin for error. Um, But if everybody stays healthy, I just don't know if they're going to catch them. I just don't think they'll, they'll, they'll stay healthy. What does it mean for the Mets, in your opinion, to have back-to-back starters, Scherzer, and then the very next night you come back out after getting beat up by him, and then you have to face DeGrom on the mound the very next day? I mean, what does that mean for a team like the Mets, who are already so talented to have two fantastic pitchers, uh, two of the best in baseball, go back-to-back? So that's something, and I've talked to minor leaguers who have gotten to throw behind some of their top prospects and things like that and they said it's it's very freeing to know that you have a chance to win every single day those two guys are on the mound and to go into a series and say well hey we are the favorites to win this series against the Dodgers because we have DeGrom and Scherzer going back to back against those guys or this you know this series against whoever it may be uh, it allows the guys behind them to play freer to play easier with less pressure at the same time um, I don't want to be reliant on we got to have these two guys because David Peterson's been banged up or Chris Bassett hasn't performed like we thought he would or Tyjon Walker had to mm. leave the game early so uh, as a fan it would terrify me to be so reliant on two guys but as a player it's very freeing for them to know that okay I just have to go out there and execute solidly and they'll take care of the rest. And think about what those two guys are going to be in the postseason. I mean, think about in in a, in a series playing playoff baseball, back-to-back you have to go against Scherzer and DeGrom. I mean, that's that's where the series lies. That's what you're kind of talking about, where a team like the Mets rely on those guys so much. The series relies on how those two perform, because if you win those games, you're probably going to win the series. But if you lose, you're probably going to lose the series. Well, in a seven-game set, you're going to see them both twice, really. I mean, and we've seen... We've seen star pitchers in the past try to figure out ways to get out there even a third time. I mean, when you have, what, two of the best win healthy five starting pitchers in baseball Mm -hmm. i mean that's a tough mountain to overcome for any any team i mean in the nl you have the dodgers and the braves who are right there in terms of uh really talent and ability with the mets but man it's a tough mountain to climb in a seven game series having to face degrom and scherzer twice really the the overall odds to win the World Series, two of the four teams with the best odds to win the World Series are in the National League East, um, in the Braves and the Mets. And then after that, it's the Astros and the Dodgers. But all mm-hmm. of them, you can point at it and you can say the rotation is the reason why. The Dodgers, we know who the Dodgers are. They, they're they the juggernaut with all the players and all the prospects and everything. But 
Every single one of these teams has fantastic pitching, and that is the key. But what I love is in a series now under the new format with no travel days and no extra days off, you need at least four Mm -hmm. starters. And I like the Braves' number three and number four options better than someone the Mets may have in a number three and number four spot. So I do think that's the saving grace is you've got guys who can hold their own against Scherzer and DeGrom. The Braves have had a lot of success against Scherzer in his career. And then you've got threes and fours that match up better than their threes and fours. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Lindsey Crosby with you here in the studio on this Thursday edition of On the Line. We're talking baseball with Lindsey Crosby. Of course, he does the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. He also writes for Auburn Daily. Lindsey, talking some more about the Braves. In this month of August, it has not been easy. There has been some some very, very tough series and tough stretches throughout this month of August. I mean, you just look up and down the schedule. Of course, at the beginning, they had the five-game series at the Mets where they dropped four of five. Then they go right back and they go to Fenway Uh, they take two against the Red Sox then they come home they have to play the Mets and the Astros and we just saw them wrap up that week I think the Braves have handled the month of August pretty well especially how it started dropping four or five in New York yeah and it was something where you know they had to rally from that Mets series which was I mean no way to sugarcoat it it was bad it was it was uncompetitive at times, and I think mm-hmm. when you have a guy coming back like Degrom, and you're in your home atmosphere, and Diaz can come out to the trumpets and everything, and you get those New York fans fired up because they're actually still in it in August, it's a little bit of a different animal. But going to the postseason, um, the Braves have to have to feel good about the fact that, like, look, we held serve at home, we beat the. The Astros in a World Series rematch. We beat these Mets at home. We are evenly matched with them because if if we beat them at home and they beat us at home, all we have to do is have a better record than them, and we have the advantage in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that series in New York it it really felt like a true playoff atmosphere. It was there was electricity in the building, and then when the Braves come back home and they have those seven games against the the Mets and the Astros. What stuck out to me is the fact that they legitimately had a chance to win every single one of the games. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they, they went 5-2, and two, but even the two losses against Scherzer and then against the uh, Astros in Game 3, I mean, the Game 3 against the Astros, you can make the argument that they should have won that game. Yeah. But, I mean, it, what, what does that do for the confidence of a Braves team like this that has a lot of fresh, young faces going against two of the best teams in baseball and really... There's a scenario where they, a couple things break their way, and they go 7-0 and over their seven games. Yeah, so bringing in a young guy like Michael Harris, bringing in a Vaughn Grissom, both of these you know prospects who were in double-A before they got called up, less than 100 games in the minors, I think, or 100 games in the high minors collectively, and being able to go in and not only have them play, but have them play at a high level and win these games has showed Atlanta that if you can kind of stick to your plan, stick to your game, do what you do best. Defense, timely hitting, and it's funny how much I hear Butch Thompson saying these same things. He believes in pitching and defense and in timely hitting. But the Braves being able to execute at a high level uh, with these young players, uh, you have to feel good about, okay, that we know what it's going to look like in the playoffs. We've seen the atmosphere of a playoff game without the stakes of a playoff game. Mm -hmm. So now we know the spotlight's not too big for Michael Harris. The spotlight's not too big for Vaughn Grissom. And they feel so good about Michael Harris, they went ahead and gave him a 10-year contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something where, as a fan, it's a little rewarding to know that we're keeping the stars, we're keeping 
these players long term and that me attending the game matters because Alex Anthopoulos said uh, as long as you keep selling this stadium out we'll keep re-signing these players and we'll keep doing these long contracts so the team is obviously thinking about uh, the long term and being prepared for success in the short term they are succeeding you have to feel good if you're a Braves fan a player um, or a member of the organization with these this injection of youth into this Braves team with Spencer Strider with Michael Harris with Vaughn Grissom you normally don't see the defending uh, World Series champion all of a sudden have three guys play such massive, pivotal roles. Mm-hmm. Is there a precedent for something like this? That three guys come in and immediately show star potential? Or is this just like totally different that we've never seen before? So we've seen teams that have called up a number of rookies in the same season and had them be successful. We've seen World Series champions put a young player into the lineup and have a successful second season. We haven't really seen this combination, like Mm -hmm. you said, of multiple young players on a World Series championship roster having such a great impact. And I think it's a... It's a testament to the Braves player development and then to the the Braves clubhouse, you know, um, whether it's it's the veterans kind of shepherding these guys in Dansby Swanson helping Von Grissom, whether it's um, Matt Olson kind of taking over one of the veteran leadership roles. It shows that the Braves clubhouse is like they are really they have found a way to to work on the chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that. All this talk about analytics, we can't really quantify clubhouse culture. But the Braves definitely have built one uh, that allows these young players to come in, be comfortable, and succeed right away. Uh, and it makes me think that um, you're probably likely to see a Dansby Swanson resign simply because you lost Freddie Freeman. If you lose Swanson, your longest tenured Brave, and your other clubhouse leader, I think they're concerned about what happens to that chemistry if you lose your two leaders in back-to-back years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting that you mentioned Swanson getting re-signed because when they announced the Michael Harris deal and you see the graphic of all the guys that they have locked up, mm-hmm. I just couldn't help but think of the uh, the uh, SpongeBob meme where Patrick and SpongeBob are running outside and Squidward's looking out his window all sad because <laughs> yeah. he's. Because Dansby's the feeling, only guy. Feeling He's a little the left guy out. That got yeah. The contract. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. 334 321 1390. That's the number to put you through to us. We're talking Atlanta Braves baseball. We're going to talk the MLB as a whole with Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects uh, podcast. When we come back, reminder just want to let you guys know that this weekend, the Atlanta Braves, their series against the St. Louis Cardinals, Saturday and on Sunday, you can tune in right here on ESPN 1067 and catch both of those matchups. It'll be game two and Game 3 of the series. The Braves will play the Cardinals at 5.30 on Saturday and 5 o'clock Sunday night for Sunday Night Baseball right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that. Let's take our first break in hour number one. We'll come back. More MLB talk when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Lindsey Crosby in the house, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, talking all things Atlanta Braves and MLB baseball. But first, do you think you know SEC football? How good are you at picking the winner of games each week? Now is the chance to show your skills in the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge. Submit your picks every week for all SEC football games for a chance to win gift cards, prize packs, and a 12-pack of Pepsi. The winner at the end 
end of the season will win a 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. Go to ESPNAU.com to submit your picks every week for who you think will win the games around the SEC for your chance to win great prizes. Sponsored by Johnny Brusco's Wickles Pickles, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Pepsi. You must submit your picks by Friday night prior to the games being played. That'll start next week. Uh, we're not, we didn't count the Vanderbilt game plan this weekend, unfortunately, but this will start next weekend. Uh, this is the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge at ESPNAU.com. Well, Lindsay, while we have you here for a couple of more minutes, let's talk the MLB uh, as a whole. Or wait, Carter, you had one more thing you wanted to ask about the Braves, and then we'll talk MLB. Yeah, so Ozzie Albies coming back, but Vaughn Grissom's really, really found a home in this lineup at second base. What do the Braves do? Like, do you figure out a way to turn Vaughn Grissom into a left fielder? Because that's really... To me, the only real spot uh, hole in the uh, in the pos- position players, really. So, so I think what happens is one. The question is how long will it take Albies to get back? And mm-hmm. what seems to make a lot of sense to me, like he just he's on this trip, he's on this road trip. First mm-hmm. one he's traveled on for a while. A uh, thought process to me is you can kind of ease him in a bit by not giving him defensive duties, letting him DH. Uh, Mm -hmm. give him a chance to get back. But the Braves have been looking for an opportunity to, one, not have to play Marcelo Zuna at all. Um, and yeah. then, and then two, just have as many impact bats in the lineup. And so I think there's a role there to have your DH rotate between Contreras and Grissom based uh, or Contreras and Albies based on matchups and just based on having to give Albies rest days, things like that. Uh, Grissom, if Dansby Swanson resigns, I think you'll see Von Grissom transition to the outfield. Uh, the scout folks, the prospect folks, already had questions about as he grew, he's already 6'3", 190, would he be able to stick uh, at short anyway, or would he have to move to a third base? Well, obviously, Austin Raleigh's around for a decade now. <laughs> uh, so if Swanson resigned, you were going to see Grissom move to the outfield um, during, during the offseason. I don't necessarily know if they'll try it in the playoffs, but... I think at the very least, you have some DH at-bats you can give to Albies or Grissom and let the other one play the field for a while. Mm-hmm. We're talking the Atlanta Braves and the MLB in general with Lindsey Crosby, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects uh, podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Lindsey, you look at some of the standings from around the MLB. Of course, the Braves are now a game and a half back from the New York Mets. Uh, the Braves sit at, uh, what is that, 78 and 48 this season. The Mets are 79 and 46. So again, just a game and a half back for mm-hmm. the Braves. But Some other teams that have really been on your radar so far this year, a lot of these division races are sort of blowouts and runaways, but some teams that have caught your eye, good or bad, so far through this MLB season. So the National League Central is a really interesting division as far as who's going to come out of, you know, Cardinals, Brewers, five and a half games difference there. Uh, But the thing that makes that I think about is, we know two of the six playoff spots in the National League are going to be in the East. We know that the loser of, of, of Mets-Braves is going to get a wildcard spot. The Phillies are still in contention for a wildcard spot, and then the Padres are right behind the Dodgers. So there's a real, very real possibility the National League East gets two, the National League West gets a wildcard spot, and the Central only has the winner. And so Cardinals mm-hmm. versus Brewers, we see the, see the Brewers go out uh, ship off Josh Hader, very unpopular move to the fan base, especially after you see, uh, you know, they DFA Denilson Lamette, who they got in return. Yeah, they were not um, happy with that. They were not thrilled. It's not worked out for them so far. 
And so uh, the Cardinals-Brewers race is going to be interesting. The Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery, that acquisition uh, from the Yankees has been better than the Yankees has been. I think Jordan Montgomery has more wins than the Yankees have since the trade deadline. It's an insane stat. And then over in the American League, um, I like what the Mariners are doing. I like their charge for the playoffs. Quietly, too. Quietly. Because the Astros get so much love, obviously. It's a a 12.5 game lead. You're not catching the Astros. The Astros actually have some of the best odds to win the World Series of anybody right now. Mm -hmm. But the Mariners, uh, fueled by uh, probable rookie of the year, Julio Rodriguez, uh, also known as the one guy I did not draft in my rookie of the year draft for lock on <laughs> the only one that I skipped I did not get him uh, but Julio Rodriguez is killing it and then you may see the Rays and Blue Jays both make the playoffs out of the east behind the Yankees and that's assuming one of them doesn't catch the Yankees the Yankees are up by seven and a half but they have not looked like the same team since the trade deadline what a weird race that is in the American League East because we saw the Yankees obviously jump out so early and buy so much and then this month of August has been terrible for them they have just played horrible baseball Mm -hmm. Uh, of course they did beat the Mets the other night so we were excited about that for them to kind of get back on track a little bit in those two games but you look up and down that division in the American League East you have the New York Yankees at 76 and 48 like you mentioned they're seven and a half games up on the Tampa Bay Rays eight games up on the Toronto Blue Jays 11 and a half games above the Baltimore Orioles who just decided they were going to start playing baseball again and they're five games above 500 and then the Red Sox are in the bottom of that division but yet only four games below 500. What a weird race that is in the American League East. It, it has got to be tough to be a general manager in the American League East. And it's like, we are four games out of uh, 500, and we are 16 games back in the division. It's almost not fair. But just the Red Sox didn't have a great deadline. The Red Sox didn't know if they were going to buy or they were going to sell. They did a little of both. Uh, they traded off, traded away catcher Christian Vasquez. They brought in Tommy Pham. And it just was ineffective moves all around and so yeah they're down there they kind of deserve to be down there though the Orioles are the team to me that I'm I'm hoping they make a little bit more of a surge rumors are they're calling up number one overall prospect Gunnar Henderson this weekend he did not travel with the minor league team to their next um to their next assignment who do the Orioles play this weekend uh the or that's a very good question I'm about to look it up there you go um but it's it's something where I think the Orioles have enough of a core there you get lefty deal hall up maybe you know maybe a gunner henderson as well you may have enough you just called up kyle stowers you may have enough to run and get that third wild card spot a year ahead of schedule in the orioles rebuild so speaking on that that al east uh division with the way that the yankees have looked recently i believe the stat was in they won 61 games before they had their 24th loss and then in their next 24 losses, by the time they got to that, they had only won 13. That's crazy. So that nuts. But you believe it about how they've been playing, though. Well, And they've been brutal since the trade deadline. They just lost Nestor Cortez today to the IL to a groin strain. Mm. That's so, brutal. I'm curious your thoughts here on, is Brian Cashman, the GM who's been there for, what, 25 years? Is he under a little bit of pressure? Because they were on pace to break... The wins record in the regular season looked like the best team in baseball were being talked about as as the AL rep in the World Series already, mm-hmm. and then they have looked brutal since about mid-July. So a lot of his trade deadline moves haven't necessarily panned out yet. Uh, Frankie Montes hasn't quite looked the same. Lou Trevino blew a save the other day. The whole bullpen looks like a disaster mm. right now. And then you traded for a 
for an outfielder who's hurt, who won't even be back until September. I think if the Yankees don't go deep in the playoffs and then don't find a way to re-sign Aaron Judge, I think then you're talking about, does Brian Cashman, is he on the hot seat? Does he maybe only have a year left? Um, I think that if the Yankees, I mean, at this rate, they are virtually a lock to make the playoffs. You know, 99.9, greater yes. than 99.9% it is, according to ESPN. Like, out of 14 million, there's like one universe where it doesn't happen. It, yeah. There is a chance it doesn't happen, but... Hey, we can pray. We can hope. This is we can hope. Avengers type yeah. stuff going on <laughs> yeah. right here. Yeah. They can make it, but... I don't the way they are right now with the injuries, with the ineffectiveness, having lost Matt Carpenter, having lost Nestor Cortez. I don't see them going very far in the playoffs. And if they do that, if they if they're out in the first round or even the second round, and then also don't re-sign Aaron Judge, Brian Cashman's going to be gone sooner rather than later. They haven't had enough success in a while there in the Bronx. I'm just worried about that team just because there's whole series where they just they can't hit. And, like, if Aaron Judge isn't hitting home runs, they can't score because they can't get on base. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, when you think about the New York Yankees and all of the talent that they have on this team, they just haven't done anything with it, right? It reminds you of – it's like talking about Kentucky basketball with John Calipari. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets more talent than these – than John Calipari in Kentucky. Nobody gets better players than the New York Yankees in the MLB, but yet they haven't won on the biggest stage in what seems like a long, long time. I was talking to a prospect the other day, kind of like on background, before we sat down and turned the mics on, and he was telling me about the team, like the new affiliate he had joined and how they had gotten rid of all of the rookie hazing and all of that kind of stuff. And he said, it's amazing how much easier it is to just come to the ballpark and play every day when you're not worried about like, oh, I have to go carry these equipment bags or I have to do all this stuff. I think the um, that little things like having to make everybody be clean shaven. Joey Gallo has one of the highest OPSs in baseball since he left the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. a full-time player in LA right now, still striking out 35% of the time, <laughs> but he has an OPS over 1,000 because he grew the beard back. And I think there's something to be said for a, a, a cult, setting a culture where guys can be comfortable, can be themselves, and I think the pressure is getting to them in New York like it's not getting to the Atlanta Braves. Well, it's one of the biggest cities to play sports in. It's one of the biggest organizations to play for. Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Go find it wherever you get your podcast. He's growing, growing, growing over there, and he does fantastic work halfway through hour number one stay tuned we'll talk some Auburn football when we come back you are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067 Auburn Opelika's sports leader Halfway through hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open like a sports leader. Big thank you to Lindsey Crosby. He just left the studio uh, talking all things Atlanta Braves and MLB baseball here in the first 30 minutes of the show, so we appreciate him stopping by as he always does. Be sure to go and find his podcast, uh, Locked on MLB Prospects. If you're into that type of thing, uh, watching and listening to guys come up through the ranks and and get into the game of baseball and learn from them with being young and getting into the MLB. Lindsey does a fantastic job with that podcast. He's all over it. So, uh, again, big thank you to Lindsey Crosby uh, joining us in studio. Hey, we got a ticket giveaway to do here in the next 30 minutes. Vince Gill over at the Goosh Performing Arts Center. He'll, he has a concert on Saturday night, and we have two tickets to give away. So, here's how we're going to do it. 
The first one to call in, you win. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you if you want to jump on the air. If not, if you want to call in and have uh, two tickets to Vince Gill over at the Gouge Performing Arts Center on Saturday night, call in and uh, we'll take your name and number and contact you. You'll get two free tickets. First one to call, you win them. So 334-321-1390. That's the number. Again, you can call in for that. You can call in to come on the air. Whatever you want to do, 334-321-1390. Again, two tickets to see Vince Gill on Saturday night here in Auburn at the Gouge Performing Arts Center. So that is uh, that's what's going down. But we talked some baseball. Now we're going to talk some football because we know that's what you guys are here for to talk. And, and you know that's what is happening. That's the hot topic right now around town is the. Is uh is the quarterback battle and what is happening with Auburn football right now? And look, we thought Tuesday was going to be the day. It was not that we got the starter, and so now here we are. Some people are saying Monday, maybe. Some people are kind of uh, wondering when this is going to be. Is it going to be the first game where we don't find out until they run out on the field? I don't know if that's the case. I highly doubt it, and I hope not. Uh, but we are still waiting to see who this starting quarterback is going to be for Auburn and. And we it, it, again, we talked about this yesterday. And what's so crazy is for months and months and months leading up to this season, we said, or I said, Zach Calzada, Zach Calzada, Zach Calzada. And then turns out he comes in and just didn't make the correct improvements, didn't learn the offense fast enough, and just didn't take the job. And now he's third string quarterback. And so we went from talking about, T- or, uh, excuse me, we went from talking about Zach Calzada being the starting quarterback. Then we started talking about TJ Finley because he's the one that continues to get praise from the coaches and the coaching staff who can run the offense. He's the best one throwing the football, all those. And then yesterday, now we have the, the idea that it can now be Robbie Ashford. To, to to be the starting quarterback. And so it's crazy right now what's going on with this quarterback battle. Carter, do we have a winner? You don't have to announce it, but we do have a winner for the yes, Vince Gill tickets. There, there has been a winner. The, Excellent. The, the tickets have been given away. Well, there you go. So Vince Gill tickets are gone. So we appreciate you all didn't calling last in. Long. Didn't, didn't last, last long. Didn't last long at all. I didn't figure it, it was, would. It was a close race, too, because okay. it was like within like half a second of each other we got a second second call online well, too yeah well that's the best way to do it so vince gill tickets have been given away so congratulations to one lucky winner again we'll uh, we'll contact you here just a little bit after the show and get all the details sorted out but glad we were able to do that give away some uh vince gill tickets that'll be a good concert he's uh, i've never been to a vince gill concert but i love his music and and that should be fun over the gooch performing arts center so uh carter we're talking about the the quarterback battle and just how how crazy this is all changed with we went from all summer long it was Zach Calzada and then all of a sudden it changed to TJ Finley and then as of like yesterday you and I got on a pretty big rant about how this thing could be Robbie Ashford as the starting quarterback yeah I don't think you can ignore Robbie Ashford the way that we we collectively as as the media and people watching this and the fan base everybody has I mean he's been there he's he's kind of just been been almost like a participant that you have on like a game show that's not that's not going to be there to win anything <laughs> nobody but, but, gave him any credit but in reality he's he's in the thick of it and and he's right there and i don't know how you can honestly say to me that that he's not in it that there if it if he's truly not in it and it's going to be TJ Finley then why like how can i not be worried 
this this should have been done. This should have been named. To me, the, everything that has happened sets up for Robbie Ashford to be right in the thick of this thing when the when the quarterback is announced, whether it be later this week, tomorrow, or Monday, as as I believe it will be. But um, I think Monday is the day. But I just don't understand how you can possibly think that Robbie Ashford is not a legitimate contender for this job. I mean, we know that they're not leaving this window open for Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada has been left behind by the, by TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. It has to be one of those two. And the fact that the window, it hasn't been decided, the window hasn't been shut on him, tells me that this staff is just keeping it open enough to see if he takes it right here in the last few days. We are nine days away from kickoff, Carter. We're officially into the single digits uh, away from Auburn starting the season. Of course, there's games this weekend, but Auburn starts in nine days, and we still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. And one thing that we talked about yesterday was the longer that this goes on, the, the, lack, of, the lack of confidence that we have, the fan base has in this quarterback battle, and the lack of confidence they have in the coaches to make the right decision and choose the right guy. And what this opens up now is whoever the starter is for Mercer in the next nine days, right? When Auburn plays Mercer on September 3rd, you're going to have a starting quarterback. But what this has led to and what door this has opened up is there's a possibility for change within the season right there's a possibility there's a change within a game and within or between week to week and so the question that I ask you and the listeners you can call in as well 334-321-1390 the question I ask you is this what's the latest point in this season that Auburn can make a successful quarterback change and it not destroy the season I really view that they're only once the season gets, once you get to Penn State, there's only two windows where it's where you can possibly make a change, and that would be that Missouri game, whoever starts that, and a lot of that would be decided on how the quarterbacks look in that Penn State game. I mean, I think whoever finishes that game has a pretty good chance to be the starter against Missouri. The other one would be if you just went NFL franchise and treated it like, okay, we've got a young guy coming along, we can... We can hand it off to him at the bye week because that's a logical break where you can you can help ease him into it, uh, leading the offense a little more and taking – you can transition from one guy taking all the first-team snaps in practice to another guy and somewhat ease into it. The problem is you're in the SEC. Any other time is not convenient because you're playing a team that can beat you every week starting from week three until Western Kentucky. I mean, and even – some people may try to say that Western Kentucky <laughs> has a chance there. Right. Well, the the problem with this with this entire situation is you don't want to have to do that, right? You don't want to have to name a starting quarterback and then at some point in the season change quarterbacks. Now, obviously, there's reasons like injury or whatever the case may be that you don't have a choice. But when you name your starter for week one, you want that to be your guy. You don't want to have to come into this season if you're Auburn and say, well... We have a starter, but there's there's a possibility he may not start in a couple of weeks. You don't want to have that in the back of your mind where you don't want this quarterback battle to bleed into the season. You want this thing to be settled, but we're nine days away. It's not settled right now. It's not going to be completely settled in the next nine days, which leaves this door open for the possibility we could see a quarterback change sometime this season. The only way that I see a, a very 
slight and subtle change over time, well, not slight change, it's a significant change to change quarterbacks, but you ease into it, is if you go into this first game and T.J. Finley is the unquestioned starter and Robbie Ashford has his package, and then week two, that Robbie Ashford package gets a little bit bigger. Then Penn State, it gets a little bit bigger. And then Missouri is where I think you can make that change. If it's a if it's a 70-30 split in Mercer and then it becomes a 60-40 split in San Jose State and then it's gradually easing more and more to Robbie Ashford's way where he's he's getting that experience. His bullets are actually flying. He's he can use his legs to the to the ability full extent because in practice I mean any defender that gets within like a two-yard bubble can basically say, yeah, I, I would have made that tackle, and he's he's marked down there because you aren't allowed to hit the quarterback. Then I think you can ease him in that way. There is a path for that. But I think whoever starts LSU have a really hard time seeing a change happen from that point on. You can do the bye week. I just I don't like that. I don't either. In the SEC. That, that's too late in the season for yes. me. I mean, and I, like you said, when you're playing in the SEC, every single week you have to show up and be ready to go. Personally, I think the LSU, the Missouri game needs to be, win- if you're going to make a change, it needs to happen there because you need, you need to, if you're going to make the switch, you need to have somewhere where your new guy can build some confidence. If it's a different person starting the LSU game, I would have concern. LSU game are on, then in my mind, something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong, and this season could be on the verge of spiraling. Well, how often do you see a college football team and program just decide to change quarterbacks four, five, six games into the season? Like That's not something that's super popular well, because you want it to be done, right? It's happened, what, once? It's happened once, and that is, or in recent history at least, well, I guess twice, if you want to count count Tua going in in the second half of right. the championship game way back then. But but the one that sticks out to me is the Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence yeah. handoff. Yeah. That's, and that was, and I and honestly, for, for the success of Trevor Lawrence, that wasn't probably wasn't the worst idea, but you're also in the ACC. There's a big which difference. Which is a different animal than the SEC. The the SEC, anybody can take a chunk out of you any weekend, with the yep. exception of Vanderbilt. No, Vanderbilt, <laughs> no. And, then, and that's part of the reason why I'm so anti this Vanderbilt-Hawaii game that everybody loves. Nah, but, get that slander out of here. <laughs> but the in the ACC, you, you there's windows where you can... You can have somebody take over in the Syracuse game. You can have somebody take over the Boston College game. And when you're Clemson and you have way more talent than everybody in your conference, that's a little easier. Right. In the SEC West, that's hard to do. And I think the only window, besides in these first two games, is Missouri, in right. my mind. In my opinion. And that's why, that's why we're talking about this, because Auburn does not have the luxury to be able to just switch out the quarterback whenever they want to and not have to worry about this next week game, because, like you just said, you're playing in the SEC West. You have a chance to lose every single day. And so, 
This is why, for weeks, we've been talking about get this thing settled, get this quarterback battle decided, and let's get this thing rolling because we don't want to deal with a quarterback change in the middle of the season. It's not fun. It's not exciting. And if we're not having fun watching it, they're not having fun doing it. They're not having fun coaching it. The team does not want the quarterbacks to change within the season if they can avoid it, right? Now, obviously, there's a time where if you need to, yeah, that's fine, but Nobody wants to go through a quarterback change three or four games into the season. I would prefer whoever the starter is for Mercer to just be the starter and then make the change if you absolutely have to. But Agreed. Yeah, let me, well, yeah, but let me ask you this. Whoever does start the Mercer game, what do they have to do in the first three games besides win, right? That's the obvious answer. What do they have to do at the quarterback position on the field to impress you enough to continue to let them to start Missouri and LSU? depending on the skill set, because there are two different skill sets, I think Robbie Ashford would have to be competent and solid enough in the offense and in the passing game to allow his legs and the legs of his running backs to really make an impact, because that's that's how you're going to have to dominate games with Robbie Ashford, is on the ground, running the football. If it's TJ Finley, the passing game needs to be good. It needs to be good enough to that teams can't, key on Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter stack the box and say we're going to make your quarterback that that we as the opposing team don't believe can beat us beat us and I want to see enough out of whoever the quarterback is in the passing game to open up the run game because regardless of who the quarterback is Auburn's going to win games on the ground it's it's not that different from the Gus Malzahn era where Gus Malzahn would rather run for 300 yards than pass for 350. I mean, he would rather he would rather run all day. I mean, 2013, yeah. Auburn went to Tennessee and threw the ball seven times, completed three of them, and ran for about 400 yards on Tennessee and beat them, what, 56 to 17 or 14 or something? I think you have to, have to show enough in the passing game to loosen up things for the run game because I know that Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter – Last year, they feel that last year was a grind because everybody was keying on them. Because the pass game was not enough of a threat. Quarterback's got to be able to throw the football, man. Run the offense, score some points. Don't be a liability to the defense. Let's take our final break. An hour number one, we'll come back and head to the phone line. Stay tuned. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Keith, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, it just seems like y'all are making too much of a big deal about this. It's getting real hyper about it, but um, it. It doesn't really seem like it to me. It doesn't seem like it's a uh, any big uh, indicator about anything. You know, it just they uh, they're having a quarterback competition. I think that right now, if I had to start today, it was the TJ Finley would be the quarterback, and uh, you know uh, they may be battling it out. And I, I think the other it, it they may be quarterback A and B right now, but. You know, when the season starts, I don't think that it'll be like that, but that may be the way the rest of the team is looking at it. And they, you know, they're sitting there saying, man, these dudes are battling it out. And, 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 uh, Robbie is 
really uh, growing by leaps and bounds every day, and then uh, he may actually win the thing, but you know he may be pushing it on out. So uh, they'll push each other, and and you know don't let TJ uh, rest. He just needs to uh, just keep fighting and 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 getting better, uh, but. Last year when TJ had to take over, I heard some guys, I don't know if it was y'all, but uh, were saying that it was kind of unfair uh, sample of him because he hadn't had enough first-team reps. And, you know, uh, if the same thing happens this year, you know, we want the next man to have as many reps as he can get. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think the coaches have it under control and – I don't think it's an indicator that we don't have a good quarterback. We may have two or yeah. three. Yeah, well, Keith, look, man, I, I I trust the coaches to make the right decision because I want to trust in Brian Harson and the coaches to do what they think is best for Auburn to win football games. I think what me and Carter have been talking about is we're nine days away, and for a while we thought it was going to be one guy, and then in the last week or so it's changed to another guy, and the last day or two it's changed to another guy, and – uh, it just kind of worries us a little bit that we're nine days away and nobody has made separation and taken that next step to be quarterback one. Because as I talked yesterday, I don't think this is a situation where all of them are good enough to start. It's trying to figure out the best one. I think this is a situation of, I don't know if any of them are where they need to be to start right now. And they're trying to figure out who takes that next step. Well, I, you know, it may be, uh, but I hope it's that they're having a good competition and, you know the the team may already know who is the quarterback, and uh, you know they they're just not telling. I mean, or they may just be pushing it on out there to get more out of them. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's uh, any kind of indicator that that we don't have a good solid number one quarterback. I mean, I think that 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 guy will uh, be there, and I, whoever starts the first game, I think that's going to be uh, the person they expect to keep on doing it unless they you know prove that they can't right yeah well well keith look i I hope you're right and we appreciate the call as we're about a minute or so against the break we appreciate the call that's keith here on the thursday edition of on the line look i hope he's right i hope that it's this is a situation of they're all battling it out and and they just can't decide on who the best one is but I, i just don't know if that's the case that doesn't seem like what that doesn't what's it's not what it feels like from what we hear right I'm not saying that that it's truly uh, that it's how do I want to put it that that there's not a capable number one quarterback. I'm just saying that to this point, every sign would have pointed to T.J. Finley, and the fact that they have not named him the starter. Because let's be real, if you are if you are practicing bo- multiple quarterbacks as the QB one all the way up because you're preparing for a a, a an opportunity where a guy goes down with injury or a or you have to make a change at quarterback, you're not going to have a successful season. You need to prepare like your guy is the guy for the whole year and he needs to get the most one reps with the ones possible. And that's why I believe I believe that if it's truly if all the signs point to TJ Finley and TJ Finley's been repping the most with the ones and he's going to be the guy against Mercer, there is value in naming him the starter and giving him all of the first team reps. But we're starting to hear more and more about Robbie getting more of those first-team reps, and the window hasn't been closed. That tells me that, to Key's point, maybe Robbie is getting better in leaps and bounds, and maybe he's starting to take the job. I'm not saying that there's not a capable quarterback on in TJ or Robbie. I'm just saying that 
it's weird to me if TJ has been the guy this whole camp and is going to be the guy against Mercer that he hasn't been named the starter to get the most reps. I just want somebody to step up and take the job, man. Somebody just be good enough and take the job and beat QB1 so we can move on and prepare for Mercer next week. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. We have a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this rainy, gloomy, nasty Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. You like those adjectives, didn't you, Carter? All those, uh, all those weather terms we just, <laughs> the weather terms we got going. It's a nasty day outside. It really is. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Hour number one officially in the books. Hour number two officially underway as uh, we talk to Lynn. Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, back in the first hour. Uh, he was in studio for the first 30 minutes, so uh, we talked a lot of Braves and MLB stuff. So if you missed that or anything else from the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it there. Uh, it'll be commercial-free right after the show, so make sure you go and do that. Uh, phone lines are open here in hour number two. We'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, give your thoughts on this quarterback battle. We've had interesting perspectives the last couple of days on this conversation, so we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. We're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast here in hour number two like we always do on Thursday afternoons he'll tell us everything going on around the SEC we'll get his predictions for Vanderbilt in Hawaii can't wait to talk about that I know you're going to be so excited to talk about that Carter look look, if Vanderbilt loses that game they're not winning a game all year (laughs) they might not hey I saw somebody talking on Twitter they were saying uh how Vanderbilt's already been there and they're sightseeing and everything and that's going to have a toll and take a toll on them because they're in Hawaii so you never know well that's I mean Northwestern got to Dublin yesterday morning. I mean, they they only got there yesterday. Yesterday morning, they they wow. They had practice, I believe, because I I know these things now. They right, had, they had practice, uh, I believe, Tuesday morning. Then they packed up and got on a plane and flew through the night. How and, long is that flight? Do you know? That's a great question. I have, I have not looked that up. Well, well, the reason Carter knows this, he does the Locked On Northwestern podcast. So if you want to check that out, uh, be sure you do that. Just, again, wherever you get your podcast, right? Search Locked yep. On Northwestern. I'm pretty sure they're, uh, yeah, anywhere you, you get podcasts. But I'm pretty sure Northwestern's having team dinner 
tonight at the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin, which oh. is an interesting choice to me. Interesting. Yeah, so <laughs> that's crazy that they only got there yesterday, though. I figured they would have gotten out there a few days earlier than that. They play on Saturday. They play Saturday morning. Like They play 11.30 our time. I don't know what the Dublin time is, but they play 11.30 a.m. Central time this Saturday, Northwestern does. Yeah, and I think think Fitzgerald said in his presser on Monday that that the game would end somewhere around 9 p.m. local time. So that has to make it, what, 5.30? 5.30-ish Dublin time. So they're six hours ahead? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Well... We're going to talk to Chris Gordy, Locked on SEC, about Vanderbilt and Hawaii and everything else going on around the SEC. Uh, again, that'll be at 3.30 here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Uh, we gave away some concert tickets in the first hour. Uh, that was exciting. We gave away some Vince Gill tickets. He's performing it was a quick at the, race. It was quick a quick race. race, yeah. yeah. He's performing at the Goosh Performing Arts Center this Saturday, so we gave away some tickets for that. But... Do you think you know SEC football? How good are you at picking the winner of games each week? Now is the chance to show your skills in the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge. Submit your picks every week for all SEC football games for a chance to win gift cards, prize packs, and a 12-pack of Pepsi. Uh, The winner at the end of the season will win a 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. Go to ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com to submit your picks every week for who you think will win the games around the SEC for your chance to win those great prizes. Sponsored by Johnny Brusco's, Wickles Pickles, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Pepsi. You must submit your picks by Friday night prior to the games being played on Saturday. The ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge at ESPN. ESPNAU.com. So you can go on there, submit your picks. The Vanderbilt game is not on there. This does start next week, but it is open. You can pick week by week. You can go on and pick all of the games from week one to week 12, however you want to do it. I don't suggest doing that, but you can if you want. And go in, pick your games, and see if you can win some gift cards, prize packs, uh, a 12-pack of Pepsi, and then at the end, whoever has the best score at the end of the season, you want to figure a, uh, uh, let's see, a 50-inch yeah, let's see. 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. That's a mouthful right there. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to making picks against you tomorrow. Yeah, oh yeah, tomorrow. We're going to talk <laughs> some Week 0 games and make picks. Vanderbilt, Hawaii, Northwestern. We're going to talk at all Illinois, Wyoming. That could be a sneaky game. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. But today, uh, here in this second hour, again... I believe, I believe in Burt. Oh, do you? Burt Bielma? (laughs) Look, we'll talk about that tomorrow. We've got more Auburn stuff to talk today. And, of course, like I said, Chris Gordy at 3.30. But here in uh, making headlines on this Thursday, August 25th. Wow, it's crazy. August 25th, 2022. Uh, Again, the the big news right now around Auburn is when are we going to learn who the starting quarterback is and who is it going to be Signs are leading towards TJ. Some signs are leading towards Robbie Ashford. Some signs are saying we may never know, and Auburn may just run the triple option with a running back. You really never know. Well, you know, Ronnie Brown did make the uh, Wildcat pretty famous in the NFL. Maybe maybe Auburn can do that for a whole season. Honestly, it, at this point, maybe. I mean, it, it worked against the Patriots that one time. I yeah. mean, if it can work against the Patriots, maybe it can work against Penn State. Maybe so. You got to get through Mercer and San Jose State first. But uh, again, the conversation has been right now with this quarterback battle for Auburn. Again, 
Who's it going to be, and when are we going to know? We thought it was going to be Tuesday. That obviously didn't happen. We're now thinking, what, Monday maybe is sort of what we're thinking about? You're going to name the starter the week of your first game? I don't like that. I wish we had some more time. I've talked about that quite a bit, but look... Some people, a lot of people are worried about this, but it has been refreshing to hear from some callers that are not worried about it. And we talked, we had a phone call in the first hour, Keith, right? He called in and talked about how he's not worried about it and he doesn't see this as a problem. He thinks the competition here is good. Look, I think that in my mind, if TJ Finley is named the starter on Monday, the first thought in my, in my head is going to be, why didn't this happen a week ago? If he was going to be the guy, why didn't this happen a week ago? To me, that I'm going to start to have some some rumbling in my head about: Are there some red flags here, or, or is he do this? Does this staff truly believe in him, or or does it go the other way with what you've talked about? They've just left the door open for Robbie Ashford to maybe make a push. Well, yeah, and then that would be that's that's how I'm choosing to look at it is because there's there's no reason not to have named T.J. Finley if it's T.J. Finley against Mercer. And and if he's named the starter on Monday, to me that is, that says that they did leave the door cracked for Robbie Ashford, somewhat hoping he would kick it in and take the job, and then he failed to do so. I I would feel a little uh, I would be a little worried if T.J. Finley gets named on Monday because there like there's nothing that should have stopped. It happening on Tuesday when Brian Harson was supposed to talk to the media completely and answer questions and everything, and then it turned out to just be talking about the the captains. At that point, though, and I I agree with what you're saying, right? If you're basically what you're saying is if T.J. Finley is named the starter on Monday, why didn't we already name him the starter? But I think both of those options that we talked about could be realistic maybe a they're not they weren't 100 percent confident in tj finley and now they might be or they're leaving the possibility for robbie ashford who maybe is making an improvement and they want him to to have that extra week to make improvements to see if he could take over the starting job but at that point when tj finley or whoever is named the starter i think it's going to be tj at this point when he is named the starter i think we just got to roll with it at that point and we want to trust the coaching staff. We want to trust this this program that they're making the right decision. And then at that point, look, it's game week. You're, TJ Finley's your quarterback. Then we can start talking about what does Auburn need to do against Mercer for it to be successful. We're going to talk about all that sort of stuff next week, right? But I'm not going to... After this entire battle is over and we do get a starting quarterback, until we see them on the field, I'm not, I'm not going to want to go back a whole lot more and say... Well, he should have named it then. He should have named it then. Why did we wait so long? Uh, I agree. I want this thing to be over. I said it should have been over a week ago, but once the starter is named for me, I'm okay and we're going to move on. Fair. No, I I get that. It's just I want whoever, especially if it's TJ, if whoever the starter is, I want them to get the most amount of reps with the ones and get as familiar as possible. Which is what I've been preaching. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be new faces in this receiving core I want that chemistry to be as good as possible you're gonna have Cameron Brown out there you're gonna have Coy Moore out there like there's going to be players that that are new I want that chemistry to be as good as possible I want I want the quarterback to be a hundred percent confident in every offensive lineman and making sure that the protection's right to be comfortable talking to his running backs throwing the ball out of the backfield everything and that comes with reps and that's why the whole time 
I just want the starter to be named. And I think it would do a lot for the confidence of whoever takes the first snap to name it as soon as possible. Because then it's like, okay, I went and won the job. The team knows that I'm I'm the, the field general out here. Everybody's looking to me to lead this team. They believe in me enough that they pick me to be the guy. All of that, the sooner you name it, the more confidence, the more reps, the more comfortable they're going to feel in the offense, the more comfortable I'm going to feel going into the first snap watching them play. Yes, yes, preach it, Carter. That's exactly right. That's what I've been saying too, man, is I want the starting quarterback to get as many reps as possible with the first-team offense. It's good for his confidence. It's good for the team's confidence. It's good for the coach's confidence. And it's good for the fans' confidence too Uh because you've got to have the support. Because, look, let's be honest, there's a major group in the fan base right now that still does not – believe in Brian Harson, they don't like him and they don't know if he can do it because there's a very small sample size it's like TJ Finley people have their doubts because of what they saw last year people have their doubts about Brian Harson because of how last year ended I think this was an opportunity in this quarterback battle for Brian Harson to come in and say this is our guy this is who I'm riding with two weeks out of the season we're sticking with this guy there was an opportunity there for him to build some trust in the fan base, and he missed it. But I don't want him. I didn't want him to do that just for that. You do want him to make the right decision and not jump the gun. And I'm glad, and and part of me, I am glad that he's waited because you would like to think that he's waiting to make the right decision. He wants to be 100% sure that the starting quarterback he names on Monday, hopefully, is truly the guy. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why why Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers, when they traded for Baker Mayfield because they didn't believe in in Sam Darnold so much, they got laughed at when Matt Rule for about a week and a half there was like, oh, we're having a true quarterback battle between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And then it's like, well, why'd you go get a guy if you believe in them relatively the same? And then finally he named Baker Mayfield the starter and he's getting all the reps. Like, if this thing is all but settled... Just just rip the Band-Aid off and announce it so everybody can relax. So so you can get those reps. So you can be comfortable going into this first game and start to build that confidence that you're going to need when Penn State rolls around, when Missouri runs, rolls around, when LSU, when you go to Athens. Because if you're, if you're in the middle of like a, are they going to start me or, or are they going to start that guy? If you're the quarterback... And you're going to Athens with your like. There's any bit of doubt, it that that's not going to end well. No, it's not. We don't want to. Again, we talked about this a little bit back in the first hour. We don't want, and, and we shouldn't want Auburn to be. There should not be a question mark at the quarterback position before every single game, right? Before before the San Jose State game. Okay, who's starting this week or against Penn State? All right, who's starting this week? Like you were just sort of saying, we don't want that. That's not what. That's not a successful game plan. You need to have a guy and stick with him until he proves otherwise that you should not be playing him. And look, whoever starts game one against Mercer, I want that guy to be good. I want him to be successful, and I want Mm -hmm. him to be the starter. I don't want to have to change quarterbacks in the season. If you have to, I get it, but we don't want that. Whoever it is, TJ, Robbie, Calzada, whoever, I want him to be the starter, and I want him to be successful so Auburn can win football games. For every story of of making a quarterback change or having a a battle like this where, where the winner turns out to be awesome, there's four, five, ten more stories where this same thing plays out 
and both the options are bad. And then you're having to flip it back and forth from quarterback to quarterback. And that's not a recipe for success more times than not. And that's why that's just why I want to I want to have this resolved. I want to name a starter. I want that person to feel like the coaching staff believes in them. Right. 100%. That's significant to me. Yep, 100%. 334-321-1390. What do you think about all this? We've heard from a lot of you, and we'd love to hear from some more. 334-321-1390. Let's take our first break in hour number two. We'll come back, and we'll talk some uh, injury news out of the NBA and what that means for this rookie class. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ron, you're on the line. Welcome in. Guys, hey, I appreciate the, y'all taking my phone call. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Man, calm down. Y'all need to calm down. Y'all, uh, every every Auburn fan I talk to, they know it's T.J. Finley because the, the guys that come behind you guys, uh, I believe from four to six, they talk a lot, a lot about what they see in practice and everything, who they see doing the uh, first team reps. We we don't know the depth chart. They haven't even released a depth chart yet, have they? Uh, not, have they? Not, not an official depth chart. I mean, we got the roster, but they haven't released it yet. No, I don't think so. See, we don't even know who's going to be wired, who we going to be t- throwing it to. We don't know who the offensive line is. We don't know who defense is. We don't know nothing yet. They know. They, they practice every day, so they know. Uh, they know who's taking the first team uh, reps, a lot of it. And, you know, we, we as fans, we need to just chill out and get behind whoever it is. I don't care if it's uh, Joe Namer come over there from Alabama, <laughs> Alabama come over there and, and uh, say he want to stop. Whoever it is, we just need to get behind him. And then if they need to uh, – uh, Coach Hodgson, he know he know you know if he don't do good this year, so he going he, he going for what he know. Right, I, I agree with you, Ron. Coaches, mm-hmm. so I I believe we just chill out, man, and just let them do their job. I guarantee you, they gonna yeah, they gonna come out winning. Yeah, they got too much confidence. Yeah, I, hear them talk. I think you're right. Look, I mean, whoever the quarterback is, that's what I was sort of just saying before we went to break. I don't care who it is. We want them to be successful and we want them to right. be good. But it is a right. little worrisome that we don't have that guy named yet. That's why I'm worried. I'm not. I'm not worried that they're not going to make the right decision or whoever they put out there isn't going to get the job done. It's just it is a little concerning that we just don't have that guy when we're nine days away from the season. They're absolutely going right. to put the guy out there yeah. that gives them the best chance to win. We we understand. Do Ole Miss have Ole Miss named their quarterback yet? Uh, no. See, but, but Lane don't care. He already knows who he's going to throw out there. So, right. Uh, the main thing is to, is to win games. That's the main thing. Whoever it is, win games. And and go to the next, you know. Uh, and if they beat Georgia this year, you know, we that's a long shot. But if they happen to beat Georgia this year, then we'll be trying to give them a, a raise then. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to find out, Ron, again. And, and I get what you're talking about, and we're our concern is just not having that guy named yet, but we do trust the coaching staff to make the right yeah. decision. we got to get to another call. We appreciate you calling okay. in. thank you. Thank you. That was Ron here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Uh, we're on the line. Who is this? Yeah, this is Dan from Auburn. Oh, Dan, all right. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, the one thing that they've always said is, obviously, Robbie is a fantastic athlete. He's super fast. You know, and, and, and even some of the players that I've talked to, 
they really like him. I mean, you just, just they kind of light up when they talk about him. But obviously, he's not the guy who is as accurate. But if he's getting better and better, and they're looking at it like, yes, if we had to start play today, you're going to play Finley. And you know with Finley, he's doing a good job. He knows the offense. He can make a lot of the throws or whatever. But you don't have, like, a huge like ceiling with him. You know, there's a ceiling where, you know, you feel like, hey, he might only be able to win eight or nine games with Finley. But if somehow Robbie were to get a little bit more accurate and pick up the offense better, his intangibles could, could be game changers in big games to where he might, hey, maybe we can beat a Georgia or something by the fact that he can run. Because if he can run the way he everybody says he does, then that's going to open up more lanes for Tank to run. And if Tank mm-hmm. can run, then that, that that's a game changer for our offense because they got to worry about the quarterback all the time. Dan, so that's I- going to leave it. Yeah, and that's going to leave receivers running wide open because they're going to bring everybody up to stop the run. Dan, so. Dan, I 100% agree, and that's that's a lot of what I've said the past couple of days. Is is my question is is Robbie Ashford getting better every day? Is he getting consistently better? Is TJ kind of getting to the point where he is reaching his ceiling as a quarterback? That's just a question that 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 I'm posing and because I believe that Robbie Ashford's ceiling is the highest probably of all three of these guys and if he can continue to gain ground towards that ceiling I think he he gives you something that clearly you don't get with the other guys and I think when you go against teams that are that are have that outmatch you talent wise a true dual threat quarterback who is an incredible athlete I think that becomes a great equalizer that allows you to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Texas A&Ms that are significantly more talented than you if you just look at the talent on the field, top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, you just think in the past, just between Cam Newton and Nick Marshall, and stuff, I mean, whenever we had the athletic dual-threat quarterback, you know, it's, it's, it's paid dividends. But it's just all about whether he's accurate enough. But in high school, y'all probably know better than, than I do. I mean, he was a pretty good throwing quarterback in high school. It's just... You know, obviously he was playing baseball and other things in Oregon. But, I mean, you know, if, if that's why they haven't named the quarterback, then, then that's fine by me, you know. I mean, we're going to need all of our guys regardless, but it's kind of exciting as a fan if, if Robbie's coming along like that. Right, yeah. Well, appreciate we're going to see. Yeah, we appreciate the call, Dan. That was Ron and then Dan here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Look, I get what he's saying, right? And that's sort of where a lot of people have started going is – if Robbie is going to be the guy down the road and if Robbie has the higher ceiling, why not go that route to start with? I, I get it. I understand that, right? You you want to see the guy on the field that gives you the best chance to win, but that's sort of what this quarterback battle is right now is trying to figure out who that guy is. Is it TJ Finley? Does he give you the best chance to win based off of how he throws the ball, how he runs the offense, or is it going to be Robbie Ashford to give you the best chance to win based off of his, his legs and if he can run the offense or is he developed as a passer too that's sort of that's what they're trying to figure out right now in this quarterback battle let's take one more call before we head to break 334-321-1390 matt you're on the line welcome in hey how are y'all doing we're doing great man how are you i'm all right so uh i guess i kind of have to pose a question here i wonder if the quarterback battle at this point now has more to do with nick brahms and less to do with robbie ashford and tj finley what do you mean by um, that? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So, the offensive line is totally different without Nick Browns, without, without his experience and, and leadership. It's a totally different offensive line. Um, so, 
I think perhaps we could be looking at a situation where if Nick Moms is going to be there and he's going to be able to play, then maybe TJ Finley is a better option. Where if he's not going to be there and not going to be able to play, maybe we're looking at a situation where Robbie Ashford's going to have to be the guy. Well, I mean, that's certainly an interesting, uh, interesting idea that I haven't thought about. I mean, yes, it does shake up the offensive line. The the experience, if Nick Brahms cannot go for whatever reason, he that would shake it up. The experience factor would not be there. Uh, the the ability to make sure everybody's got the right assignments on the offensive line would definitely be affected. That yeah, maybe maybe that would be a reason that you look for somebody a little more more mobile. But I mean, that's certainly an interesting interesting idea that I guess I haven't really thought about to this point. Yeah, it just uh, kind of dawned on me a little bit. Like, uh, it seemed like it was going to be T.J. Finley. It was going to be T.J. Finley, and then it wasn't T.J. Finley. And then the Nick Brahms news came out. And I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but I, I think maybe maybe they think if. Uh, if the offensive line isn't going to be what we thought it was, maybe they need to have somebody back there a little bit more mobile um, in order to open up the run game. Because, I mean, without a run game, we're not going to be able to throw the ball because they're going to stack the box and, and and we're not going to be able to really do much moving the ball on the ground. So, um, I don't know. Food for thought. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate the call, Matt. It's an interesting way to look at it. That's Matt here on, on, on the line. It's an interesting way to think about it. I mean, you got to play to your strengths and you got to play to your weaknesses too. And if the offensive line for Auburn is going to continue to be a weakness, then yeah, that's an interesting way to look. You got to play yeah. a quarterback that gives you the best chance to win. That's maybe not standing back and throwing in the pocket I mean, if, if they it, don't have time. If it looks like the Iron Bowl last year, where you're playing, where you're because of your inexperienced center, it affects the offensive line, and teams look like they have the pass rush of Alabama. Maybe we learned with TJ taking seven sacks in that game that maybe TJ may not be the guy there. It just seems it's an though interesting point. It is an interesting point, and what what gets us thinking about this and what gets me questioning it is with Brian Harson. We know he wants to run that that different style of offense. He wants the dude to stand back there and throw the football. But like Matt's talking about, if your offensive line can't hold up, you can't run that style of offense. So you got to play to your strengths. You got to play to your weaknesses. That goes, ex- all of that goes into this quarterback battle. Stay tuned. We're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, when we come back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, as always on Thursday afternoons, we have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast on the phone. Chris, we are nine days away from, uh, from Auburn and Alabama and all the other SEC teams getting going, but we do have some football in just a couple of days. Vanderbilt gets going with the football season. How excited are you just in general for for football to be back. Yeah, I was going to say, man, don't discount two days away from Vanderbilt football. I didn't I'll forget about it, brother. Don't you worry. <laughs> Chris, this is this is his favorite bit so far this week is the fact that he's so pumped for the Vanderbilt game, and I'm just not. Well, look, guys, I, as, uh, as the 
ambassador of the ICC, I've said this is the one week that I think we can all collectively come together as a conference and root for Vanderbilt. Because, look, the, the chances of them getting more wins throughout the rest of the season are going to be few and far between. So this is our one chance for them to go out there and dominate Hawaii. I, I was talking to my buddy Andrew Allegretta, who's the uh, radio voice for Vanderbilt, and you know he had the tough task of going out and spending an entire week in Hawaii this week. You know, really, really tough assignment. But he was saying that, you know, he was talking to the folks in Hawaii and trying to get, you know, hey, can we get a, can we get an idea of a depth chart? Can we get an idea of, you know, what what to expect? And basically, they told him we have no idea. Like oh my every gosh. spot, yeah. As of a few days ago, like there was no depth chart. Every position was up for grabs, and they're bringing back Timmy Chang, who was the you know, like the record-setting quarterback that had played there a couple years back and all this, but, like, no one has any idea what to expect from Hawaii. So I said, that being said, like, Clark Lee and Vanderbilt better win this game. Like, if you yes. slip up and lose this one, like, you have no excuses. So, you know, I'm encouraged. Year two of, of uh, Clark Lee and Vanderbilt, I was told, you know, at least at practice, like, things look pretty smooth. They do look like they're going to be a little bit better than they were last year. Not saying Vandy's going to get to 500 or get to a bowl game, but... I do think they have a chance to at least win some of these non-conference games, and you know maybe they could pull off an SEC win somewhere on the schedule, and you know their fan base will get really excited. So, like I said, I think this season we we all or this weekend we all get behind Vanderbilt. Let's rally behind them. It's going to be a nine thirty Central kick, I believe, something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, this is definitely like the Saturday night game. Unless you're out in the bars partying it up, we're all going to be in bed with our spouses watching this one. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that uh, it'll be an interesting game, and it's—I mean—they're playing one of the one of the probably bottom tier G five teams. So if they if they don't get this win and like look solid in it, I'm I'm not going to be obviously the most uh, enthused about their their odds the rest of the year. But kind of as we as we look elsewhere around the SEC, I wanna I wanna talk about some of the quarterback battles that are that are going on because. We've obviously we obviously have one going on here in Auburn, and our our callers love to talk call in and talk about it. And a common comparison that they they keep making is the quarterback battle at Auburn to the quarterback battle at Ole Miss, and the fact that neither team has officially named a starter. And I want to get your perspective on that because to me, I don't think those are really comparable because Auburn's coming off a six and seven season, five straight losses to end the year, some some chaos in the off season to say the least. And Lane Kiffin's coming off a 10-win season. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that comparison. Yeah, I mean, all four schools who have not announced a starter yet are all very different in very different positions. I made the prediction that by the end of this week, we would get announcements from Texas A&M, from Auburn, from LSU. And I think Ole Miss is going to be the last one to do it. I think they're going to go into week one without having named a starter. Hmm. But I I predicted by the end of this week, we would hear, and, and this is how it would go down. Haynes King at A&M, Jane Daniels at LSU, and T.J. Finley at Auburn with, uh, I think Ole Miss is going to start Jackson Dart, but I think they're not going to name a starter before they go out there in week one. So that's how I think it's going to shape up. Um, again, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some teams wait till Monday, you know, that, that press conference to start game week. I could easily see Jimbo Fisher waiting till then because, you know, he was asked on Wednesday about, you know, where are you with your starting quarterback? He's like, we have a pretty good idea, but we're, we're not ready to name one. I'm like, okay, Jimbo, like, just say who it is. Does it really matter? Uh, Brian Kelly on Tuesday, they had a big uh, scrimmage on Tuesday afternoon, and then afterwards he said, oh, man, it's really close. You know, we're, 
we, we have a pretty good idea, but we're not ready to name one yet. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, just name a starter. Uh, I feel like by Monday, when you start going into game prep for game week for week one, you kind of have to, like, the team has to know who it is. So, you know, I think it's a little bit different with Auburn playing Mercer and some of these other schools. I think A&M is playing uh, Sam. But now let's you play Florida State. If they're going to go into practice on Monday and their football team doesn't have an idea on who the starter is, like, what are we doing here? Like, we, we have to have some kind of semblance of, of an idea of who's going to be the starter. So that's where we are. I think, like I said, I think Auburn, LSU, and A&M, I think we'll know by at least this weekend we'll get announcements made. I think Ole Miss will be the last one. But, you know, if you go by what Auburn has said, it's, you know, it's Brian Harson praising T.J. Finley the other day saying, oh, man, it's like, it's like having another coach out there. It's a guy who's, you know, working so hard in the film room. And, you know, he's always got the answer to every question we have and all this. And then, you know, I hear that Robbie Ashford, his versatility, his running ability, that they're probably going to have packages for him. So, you know, I don't know if it matters a whole heck of a lot on, on who starts game one against Mercer, but it sounds like it's Finley. It sounds like he's doing all the things he's supposed to be doing. It sounds like his accuracy uh, has been improved the past couple weeks of training of camp. And, you know, like I said, uh, if they've got packages for Ashford, I'm excited to see that as well. We're talking to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Chris, the the conversation here in Auburn about the quarterback battle is whether or not people are concerned that we're nine days away from kickoff and Auburn doesn't have that starter named yet. Should it be a concern that Auburn hasn't named the starter? And it and really, it's the, the question of do they have a legitimate starter? Should that be a concern for Auburn fans as we're nine days away from the season? No, because here's the difference. You open with Mercer. Like, if you were in Georgia's shoes or, or really Auburn of last year, like if you were opening with Oregon on a neutral field and, oh, my God, you know, what are we going to expect? Like, um, you know, I, I feel like playing Mercer, it doesn't really matter who starts. So, like, they could literally come out and say Robbie Asher starting, and I don't think there would be any overreaction. You know, this is all about getting ready for the next couple weeks of the schedule and, you know, how, how this thing is going to play out. And even against – San Jose State, like, I don't think it matters. It's all about week three against Penn State. You know, these, these, next, these first two games are dress rehearsals. Get yourself ready to go. See who the quarterback is. Work in some wrinkles for – if it's Finley, work in some wrinkles for Ashford. Um, you know, really, if you can get some plays for, for Zach Calzada in the second half of both these games, that would be ideal. Just kind of see what you have in him. But it's all about getting ready for Penn State. And, man, then you're in the SEC play and – yeah, I feel like if, if it's Finley and you settle on Finley and he beats Penn State, I'd feel really confident about him going into week four against Mizzou. And then it's all about week five going, you know, going against LSU. As we know, that's always a tough game. So mm-hmm. a, a real opportunity here. I mean, I love the way the schedule sets up for Auburn. There's no pressure. There's no like, oh, my God, we need to run to the podium and then name a starter right now because I feel like you got some wiggle room here for the first couple weeks to figure it out. Now, I know – some fans will have nightmares of last season with Georgia State and like, oh God, you know, like we don't need to try to figure, you know, like God forbid we're in a game situation where we need a, a fourth quarter comeback to beat one of these teams. But if it is family, like I've said for the last couple of weeks, it's because he's earned it. It's because he's the guy that's proven that that he's gotten better since last season. He's improved his accuracy. He's improved his his decision making, and he's ready to go. And so. Again, all, all vibes and everything I'm hearing out of camp is that it's going to be Finley, and, and I'll feel good about the decision. Yeah, with, with everything that we've heard, 
But also with, with the way last season ended and the sample size that we've seen of TJ Finley so far that isn't exactly inspiring, with everything we've heard from camp, if he's been that good and that and that far head that head and shoulders above the rest of the competition in this battle, the way that it's being talked about with him being a coach on the field, he knows what to do pre-snap. Should why why would they wait though? That's that that's my question. Is if he, if he's the guy, why wouldn't you name that guy to be the starter to help with his confidence? Because the longer you kind of hang him out there, I, that that doesn't instill confidence in the fan base, and it can't be great for your quarterback. Wouldn't you want to name that starter, have him get every first rep that he can get, and build that confidence so that he's ready to roll against Penn State? Well, the only thing I could say is maybe it is that close, right? I mean, you know, we've heard all the all the things coming out of camp and in in the spring and then into the fall camp that Robbie Asher has turned some heads and he's really impressed some people and he's made some nice plays and you know he's been player of the day at camp a couple of times and you know I I think that maybe it's a little bit closer than we're all you know thinking it was and so maybe that's the reason, but. Like I said, you know, when you open with Mercer in San Jose State, I, I think it's there's no rush to jump out there. Again, if you were opening with a big dog in week one, let's say if it were Penn State week one, yeah, I think they had to name the starter by now. Um, I think it's just they, they realize they have some wiggle room here and have a couple of weeks to kind of figure this thing out, even if it does go into the regular season. Um, and again, like once they name, if they do name Finley the starter week one, you're not beholden to that. If they get into the games against Mercer and San Jose State and Robbie Asher makes some big plays and Finley throws a couple picks, yeah, I think they may make a change. Maybe we'll have Robbie Asher be the starting quarterback against uh, against Penn State in Week 3. So that could certainly happen as well. But, yeah, there, there's plenty of reasons on why they haven't named one yet. I just say, like, by Monday, you know, Monday of game week, if they have not announced a starter yet, that's where I would be – you know, the radar would be going up, and I'd be getting a little worried because it's like, man, this is this is game week. Every rep from here on out is getting ready for Saturday's game. And if you still have a name to start again by then, well, I think you're really in trouble. We've got Chris Gordy on the phone, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On The Line. Chris, some news around the SEC. We saw Nick Saban, of course, head coach at Alabama, get a contract extension and conversations of maybe he's not the best coach in college football history. Not too sure on that. Your thoughts on that and him getting an extension through 2030. Well, he's definitely the best, the best coach in, in college football history. It just is. I mean, with what he's been able to do in this day and age and build this machine that I always call it in Tuscaloosa, it's unbelievable what he's been able to do. That said, adding the years on and the money on, none of that matters, right? Like as soon as, like, we were at SEC Media Days when it was announced that Kirby Smart got the contract extension to make him the highest-paid coach. And I literally said to my friend, I was like, well, it's just a matter of time before Saban's announcement comes. They, they have it worked into his contract that they're going to rework it every time, you know, somebody else gets paid higher than him. So, you know, this is going to be the same song and dance every offseason. I think after this season, you know, if it's Ohio, let's say Ohio State wins the national championship this year. Guess what's going to happen? Ryan Day is going to get a contract extension, and he's going to be named, you know, a bump in pay, and he's going to be named the highest-paid coach in college football. And then what's going to come a few weeks after that? Nick Saban will be bumped up in pay. He'll get another year tagged on his contract, and he'll be bumped up as highest-paid coach in college football. So all this stuff is just, it, it's, you know, it's a song and dance just to keep Saban happy, keep everybody happy. And 
I think he just wants to always be known as the highest paid coach in college football because I think he deserves it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods should always be one of the highest paid golfers on the golf tour. <laughs> LeBron James should always be one of the highest paid players in the NBA, and Nick Saban should always be one of, if not the highest paid coach in college football. It's just how it goes. So, um, yeah, I think it's always going to be added on. But you know, I, I started digging through the numbers, and I was like, if Saban finishes out this contract by twenty thirty, early twenty thirty, he's gonna. Yeah, he's going to be 78 years old. I know some people are like, 79? No, in October he would be 79 of that year. But regardless, I started digging into it. I'm like, man, like, Bobby Bowden coached till he was 80. Uh, Joe Paterno went to 84. Like, there's a real scenario where Saban keeps this train rolling. And I know that scares the crap out of all Auburn fans and, you know, fans across the SEC because I always say I'm locked on SEC. I got one fan base that loves it, 13 fan bases that hate it. You know, I'm like, but 13 other fan bases are rooting against Alabama every week. It seemed to be 15 others when Oklahoma and Texas get in. So, um, you know, look, it, I don't know how much longer he'll go, but it is certainly in the in the realm of possibility that he could go another 10, you know, eight to 10 years in this conference. And that's scary. The only thing I'll say is when Bowden got near his end of days, he was a figurehead, right? They had already mm-hmm. named the coach in waiting. When Paterno got in his final days, I mean, come on, there were rumors that his headset that he was wearing wasn't even plugged in. Like, he was literally just a mascot. I don't know if Saban ever gets to that state, right? Could you ever envision Nick Saban just being a, a figurehead on the sidelines who's Absolutely not calling plays not. And, and, his, and his headset's not plugged in? So, <laughs> from, from, from that aspect, I don't think that ever happens with him, but certainly not crazy to think that he can go another 8 to 10 years with just the, the ridiculous amount of success. Yeah, look, Chris, that uh, that scares everybody here in Auburn. We Look, we can hope that maybe he ends up retiring after he wins a couple more national championships. We'll have to wait and see. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. One more thing before we let you get out of here. Does Vanderbilt win on Saturday? Man, they better. I mean, if they, if they don't win this one, I, like, I mean, they could go over on this season. Clark Lee talked to, talked to big game at SEC Media Day. Yeah, saying, he did. You know, we don't want to just be, you know, one of the best teams in the SEC. We want to, we want to be the best program in the country. I'm like, slow it down there, Clark. Just say we want to win six games. Just say we want to get bowl <laughs> eligible. Like, that's realistic for Vandy fans. Saying that you're going to be the best program in the country. Like, dude, you'll be fired after this year if you guys go 0 for 12. So, um, yeah, I just – I think that's overzealous. But, like I said, everybody I've talked to is that this Hawaii team is really in a flux. Todd Graham – left them in shambles like guys were willing to just quit mid-season and walk out on that guy because it was such a debacle and like I said I think I respect Timmy Chang I think he'll he'll build up players right now so Vanderbilt better go take care of business better win this game on Saturday night and uh you know at least get the SEC start off 1-0 in these non-conference games well Chris let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Locked on SEC we appreciate you coming on yeah, LockedOnSEC.com or wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked on SEC. We had a uh, great interview last week, of course, with Ronnie Brown, who talked about uh, you know the offseason with Auburn and, and all the tumultuous offseason with Brian Harson. And, you know, I was joking with some people, you know, the, the, the Vegas odds have come out today at Bet Online on who's the overwhelming favorite to be fired, uh, you know, in the SEC after this year. And it's Brian Harson, far and away. The odds are that he's the, the, the hottest coach on the hot seat in the SEC. And again, for, for my Auburn fans, for my buddies who are Auburn fans, I just, I hope that's not the case. I hope he writes the ship. I hope he gets eight wins. And I hope 
the arrows pointed upward at the end of this year with having Keysaw and having his guys at, at, at coordinators. And, you know, let's hope he turns this thing around. Because if he doesn't, man, like who wants to see Auburn go through another coaching change, another outpouring of guys in the transfer portal? Nobody wants to see that. I can think of a town across the across the state that would probably be okay with that. But, Chris, again, man, we appreciate your time. As always, we'll talk to you next week. We're going to have games to talk about next week, my friend. It'll be on Thursday. We'll talk to you then. Absolutely, guys. And hopefully we'll have an Auburn quarterback game by then. Yeah, talk you're right that. about that. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate it. That is Chris Gordy here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. He hosts the Locked On SEC podcast. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap up this Thursday edition of On the Line. Come in. Whether it's an ATV, SUV, side-by-side, motorcycle, or boat, we have a great selection of quality products in stock and for sale at internet pricing with brands like ProBox, Wet Sounds, Memphis, Rockford, Kicker, Fusion, DS18, and more. There really is no reason to shop anywhere else. Shop locally, shop with confidence, shop at the Car Stereo Shop in Auburn. Thanks for listening to ESPN 1067. When you're in the mood for some country music, real country music that is, check out the all-new Tiger Country 104.5 for the best country music ever made. If it's news talk you crave, you're in luck. We've also got the number one news talk station, WANI 98.7, now in its 25th year. No matter what you want to hear, the Auburn Network family of stations has you covered. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Just got off the phone with him talking about the Auburn quarterback battle, talking about uh, some of the news around the SEC and, uh, Talking about Vanderbilt and Hawaii, Carter was uh, pulling at his ears the whole time. He had him covered, but we talked a little bit of Vanderbilt and Hawaii as well. So big thank you to him. Uh, also, big thank you to Lindsey Crosby back in hour number one. He came in and talked about some Braves and some MLB. So if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find that commercial free right after the show. So make sure you go and do that. But do you think you know SEC football? Can you Are you good at picking the winner every single week in SEC games? Well, now is the chance to show your skills in the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge. Submit your picks every week for all SEC football games for a chance to win gift cards, prize packs, and a 12-pack of Pepsi. The winner at the end of the season will win a 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. Go to ESPNAU.com to submit your picks every week for who you think will win the games around this southeastern conference for your chance to win great prizes sponsored by johnny brusco's wickles pickles the orthopedic clinic and pepsi you must submit your picks by friday night prior to the games being played on saturday that's the espn 1067 sec football challenge at espnau.com well carter we heard some things that chris had to say and the betting odds apparently of which coach is going to get fired first out of the sec is overwhelmingly brian harson are you surprised to hear that no, I mean, th- think about it right now. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, not a chance. Stoops, not a chance. So many first and second year coaches a lot of going new faces, on right yeah. now that 
It doesn't make like what? Who would be next? Clark Lee. If maybe no, no, I I disagree with that because they hired Clark Lee knowing that heck they weren't going to be really competitive until at least like 2025. But like Chris said, if they go 0 and 12, how do you keep him? <laughs> I mean, if you don't win a game, if you're Vanderbilt, how do you keep your head coach? You can't. There's no I way. I agree, but they're also not losing to Dagum Hawaii. They're not Saturday. doing it. They won't do it. But no, because, um, it's got to be Brian Harson who has the best odds, and that just makes sense. I mean, next next would be um, it's got to be Drinkwith from Missouri. Yeah, maybe it's got to be Eli Drinkwith. I mean, like, yeah, I, like. That's all I can think there, of. There's nobody in the East because everybody ex- either exceeded expectations in year one, is in year one, or is Kirby Smart and Stoops. And then in the West... They're all making too much money. Drink with, or so <laughs> so it's, it's drink wits and out of the East. And then Leech, if it just craters, maybe? Maybe. I don't, I don't even think that. that. He's yeah. going into, what, is this, is this year three for Leech or is this year two? I'm drawing a blank on that. I think it's two, right? I, it might be, but uh, anyway, I, it, it feels like that man has he rambles so much and on the mic that it, we've gotten years worth right. of words. But I don't him. think anybody else around the SEC is sitting on a hot seat because, like you said, it is uh, so many new faces or second years where there's I mean, there they had a good enough season last year where the coaches are probably going to keep their job this year, except Brian Harson, who with everything that's gone on in the off season and how last year ended, there's no doubt he's the one on the hot seat in the SEC. Barring controversy, Brian Harson has to be the runaway favorite. Drinkwitz would be second. I mean, and we know that Harson's first because I mean the water's already been somewhat chummed out there. The 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 sharks circled this past offseason, there's there's a little bit of blood in the water. It's can he fight it off and 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 keep the job for 2023? That remains to be seen. I think he's got to get to eight wins to do that. Well, the, I mean, there was a question of whether he would even be the head coach at this point in the season when it, before the season even started. So, yeah, exactly. there's no doubt that Brian Hartson, you could say he's on a hot seat. I guess so. I mean, you, the, the, there's so much riding on this season. you got to win football games. But you know what you got to do before that? you got to name a starting quarterback, and I think it's got to happen in the next couple of days. I think it will. You want them to name the right guy. Name the best guy that gives you the best chance to win. We're going to see who that is and when that is in the next couple of days. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk some week zero and see who's going to win in this opening week of college football. Come back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.